What do you think of that, huh? The authoritarian Delawarean. That is Joe Biden, a wannabe dictator. He really does have a lust for power and not much interest in democracy. Forget all the talk about democracy. It's lip service. He wants to be an authoritarian ruler. And he kind of told us as much two years ago today. Two years ago today, he was sworn in. So we're halfway through his administration. Or who knows, maybe we're more than halfway through. We'll see what happens. Um, that speech, looking back at it now, um, I am seeing things that, quite frankly, I missed back then. Silly me. I took some of it at Joe Biden's word. How foolish. First of all, we haven't addressed this. There was essentially martial law in Washington, D.C., the complete overreaction and hype about January 6th. They justified uh, preventing basically the American people from attending that inauguration. Not that a lot of people were interested in attending Joe Biden's inauguration. Nobody really liked them. But uh, really, looking back at it now, it's eerie and strange. In each of these moments, enough of us, enough of us have come together to carry all of us forward. I have seen Eagle Scout ceremonies uh, more highly attended than this affair. That was strange. And Joe Biden's demeanor, it's strange now. It was strange then, of course. I promise you this. As the Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. <laughs> I haven't heard too many people bark the Bible like that. Scripture is supposed to be delivered in a gentle tone. And then the Pledge of Allegiance. I thought it was coming. He says the words, the preamble, right? It's coming. The, I pledge allegiance to the flag for which it stands. And then he changes course. We come together as one nation, under God, indivisible, to carry out the peaceful transfer of power. I thought he was going to say with liberty and justice for all. But that's not what he's interested in. No. And the talk about unity. For a while... I thought that Joe was just lying and not living up to his promise of unity. Now I figured it out. Something deeper is going on. First of all, do you remember this? Today, on this January day, my whole soul is in this. Bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. So he's not talking about unity in the positive sense. He's actually talking about Uniformity, uniformity of thought, uniformity of goals, uniformity, conformity. That's the type of unity he's talking about, the socialist kind. I'll show you more. Hit it. I know speaking of unity can sound to some like a foolish fantasy these days. I know the forces that divide us are deep and they are real. But I also know they are not new. Our history has been a constant struggle between the American ideal that we're all are created equal and the harsh, ugly reality that racism, nativism, fear, demonization have long torn us apart. All right. So back then we did not have unity, right? The country is kind of fractured. But what he's saying here is... Those who disagree with him are the racists, the nativists, the fear mongers, right? He's the one demonizing people who are opposed to him. Unity 
it would be everybody. It would be MAGA. And MAGA is not these things, as we all know. Take a look at this, please. Folks, this is a time of testing. We face an attack on our democracy and on truth, a raging virus, growing inequity, the sting of systemic racism, a climate in crisis, America's role in the world. Any one of these would be enough to challenge us in profound ways. But the fact is, we face them all at once. All at once. Take a look at these uh, priorities, okay? An attack on democracy, a raging virus, growing inequity, the sting of systemic ra- See, here's the thing. We don't agree, all of us, on these goals. Joe says these are the problems. We need unity to confront these problems. Usually a president would say we're going to eradicate poverty. Who's going to argue with that? Uh, we're going to uh, cure cancer. That's great. But this stuff is highly partisan, highly subjective. I don't think we have systemic racism in this country. There are those who do. That is not a unifying issue. And he's saying those who don't agree with this, that we're the dividers. He's wrong. And this, this is arguably the scary part, and he made good on it. Now, you might think at first it's reasonable. Well, you tell me. There is truth and there are lies. Lies told for power and for profit. And each of us has a duty and a responsibility as citizens, as Americans, and especially as leaders, leaders who have pledged to honor our Constitution and protect our nation, to defend the truth and defeat the lies. And who's going to do that? Who's going to determine what's truth and what are lies? This is dangerous stuff. It's not up to the government. He said it's the leader's responsibility. And Joe made good on this. He sicked the FBI on us. Big tech, you know about this fiasco, the Twitter files? This individual, some agent named Elvis, is telling Twitter what accounts to remove? They don't like conservatives. They don't like people making fun of Joe Biden. These are the kinds of things the FBI was involved in. Joe Biden said this crazy person, this woman, should be the head of, uh, what, disinformation monitoring at the Department of Homeland Security? This is insane stuff. This is totalitarian authoritarian stuff. He wasn't talking about unity. He was talking about this uniformity, the conformity. And it's scary. And people have signed up for it. Gullible, dependent, drugged out people are on board. I'm not, you're not, but... Where uh, are we in the minority? To overcome these challenges, to restore the soul and secure the future of America requires so much more than words. It requires the most elusive of all things in a democracy. Unity. Unity. Yeah, because the unity you're talking about is not compatible with a democracy. That's why it's elusive. The kind of unity you're talking about is the kind we see in China. And Joe, I know that you're very fond of China and you spent all that time with President Xi. Couldn't they have flown to the moon and back or something like that? Um, A lot of folks are really fond of China. In fact, You know, they're having the World Economic Forum right now. Those people are enamored with China, especially this guy, Klaus Schwab. He runs the World Economic Forum, 
and he loves China. He thinks that's the model to confront the world's problems. That's the way to get things done. His accent's a little heavy here. I think he's Austrian or something like that. But here he goes. I uh, respect uh, China's achievements. I think it's um, a role model for many countries. But the Chinese model is certainly a very attractive model for uh, quite a number of countries. The Chinese model is a very attractive model for quite a number of countries. No, it's not. It's a sick, genocidal regime. It must be defeated, not copied. Are you crazy? But he is kind of crazy, and so is Joe, and so are the liberal woke Democrats, and they want conformity. This is what they want. They want people mindlessly wearing masks, uh, dependent on the government. Uh, they go to the government for everything. This is... Um, this is socialism. This is communism. This is scary. And by the way, stylistically, uh, Joe has a lot in common with Soviet-era leaders. I can't... <laughs> in style, in substance, who remembers Leonid Brezhnev, okay? He might as well be Joe Biden's twin. They spoke the same way. They offered the same empty promises, the same positive spin when we were failing. Uh, here's a little bit of Joe. Before getting... An update from my supply chain task force. I want to say a word about the progress our economy's made this year. Nearly six million new jobs, a record number for a new president because of my staff and my cabinet. We're making progress. We got a way to go. We're making progress. I see Marty All Walsh. Right. My so this is uh, this Marty's is December of last year. We weren't thriving economically. December of 21. No, things were looking quite dark, and uh, gas prices were going crazy. Uh, the denial of reality. That's a very socialist, communist thing to do. Let's go to Premier Brezhnev. You, you see what I mean? We surpassed the goal for industrial production and all that stuff. There, it was always great news right up until communism collapsed. And oh, by the way, the communist leaders, the socialist leaders, the World Economic Forum type people. Here's Leonid Brezhnev on one of his speedboats. He had like 50 Cadillacs. This guy loved luxury, just like Joe Biden loves luxury. Staying at a billionaire's house for free, that kind of stuff. And oh, by the way, the clothes. He is a close horse. Joe Biden is. You know, yesterday when he offered that lame non-explanation for the uh, documents in the garage, he was wearing that jacket that he loves to wear so much with the sweater on the inside of the jacket. It's connected. This is, uh, these are very expensive duds, okay? Cost something like uh, $1,500 to $2,000 just for an ordinary blazer. Uh, that's not Scranton Joe. That's not the guy he told us he would be. And at this point, can we ever trust Joe again? Hmm? And why does he shouldn't bring God into the equation? He really shouldn't. Before God and all of you, I give you my word. I will always level with you. I will defend the Constitution. I'll defend our democracy. I'll defend America. And I'll give all, all of you, Keep everything you, I do 
in your service. All right. Thinking not of power. Uh, no, he hasn't done. He's failed on those things. He hasn't been straight with us, right? Of course not. Defending the Constitution. If he defended the Constitution, he would have fired FBI Director Ray on August 9th of 2022, right after the Mar-a-Lago raid. All right. That would have been defending the Constitution. Okay. Uh, always leveling with us. Hmm? Remember about that faux outrage he displayed on 60 Minutes after the documents were discovered. Remember that? How could anybody be so irresponsible? Defending democracy? No. Look at Afghanistan. Look at what happened there. And getting back to the always leveling with you stuff, has he been straight with us about the laptop? Last I checked, the last time Joe Biden spoke about the laptop, he was lying to the 55 million Americans who watched this debate. Remember, we talked about those 50 intelligence officials, swamp people who who backed him up there. Joe, it's a disgrace. We know it. The fake news still covers for him. There have been some cracks, but he is no defender of democracy. He has never leveled with us. You know who is? You know who is those things? Really? You know who I'm talking about. (laughs) President Trump leveled with us, and truly defended democracy, and I think will again. If anybody has any doubts about him, you know what I suggest? Watch his uh, July 4th, 2020 speech at Mount Rushmore, which, oh, by the way, they've closed ever since. No more speeches at Mount Rushmore. More from President Trump when we come back. Thank you. Okay, Nikki Haley, she wants to be president, we're told, huh? I don't think that's going to happen. Career politician, wasn't loyal, isn't loyal to Donald Trump, and has got this, um, I don't know, Betty Crocker thing going on. It's just, she lacks the gravitas, I'll say that. Anyway, she's going to give it a shot, apparently. When you're looking at a run for president, you look at two things. You first look at, does the current situation push for new leadership? The second question is, am I that person that could be that new leader? Yes, we need to go in a new direction. And can I be that leader? Yes, I think I can be that leader. I don't think anybody else does. I just don't see her as president. Do you? I don't get it. I I find her very scripted, very canned, very, mm, I don't know, uh, uh, corny, corny. And she's pretty impressed with herself. I was as governor. I took on a hurting state with double-digit unemployment, and we made it the beast of the Southeast. The beast of the Southeast. Okay, she says she turned around South Carolina economically, and she always points to Boeing, Mercedes-Benz, BMW. They came here because I was governor. No, they didn't. They had these arrangements before you were governor. We can go through them. Uh, It all started in 1992 when the BMW uh, chairman announced uh, that they were coming. And it goes on and on like this for all the companies that she brags about that they were there, uh, they started these plans before she became governor. All right, then there's that experience uh, that she had on the world stage, again, thanks to President Trump. As ambassador, um, you know, I took on the world when they tried to disrespect us, and I think I showed what I'm capable of at the United Nations. So do I think I could be that leader? Yes. No, it's, you don't get leaders out of the United Nations. It's an ambassadorship, all right? You get to raise your hand, literally. You get to vote on stuff, all right? That's, that's what you do. 
Um, and by the way, you can't do it on your own. You got to check with the Secretary of State first and 15 other people. And uh, she's not ready. And however, I think she is going to throw her hat in the ring. You know, what's kind of interesting. It's Donald Trump. As all these Republicans are sniping at each other, you know, Pompeo said something nasty about Haley. Haley said something nasty about Pompeo. Donald Trump, the only declared candidate, is talking substance, is talking ideas, and is talking Joe Biden because you got to talk about Joe Biden and this catastrophe of an administration. Under no circumstances should Republicans vote to cut a single penny from Medicare or Social Security to help pay for Joe Biden's reckless spending spree, which is more reckless than anybody's ever done or had in the history of our country. Talking about the issues, talking about Democrats, talking about Joe Biden, clearly with great power. This, this is what wins elections. Yes, it still does. There's more. Biden has blown out the federal budget, wasted trillions on left-wing lunacy and the ridiculous Green New Deal, which is a tremendous problem and embarrassment to us, and thrown open our Treasury and our borders to migrants from all over the world. No one is making the case against Biden as well, as powerfully as he is. I don't understand why so many Republicans, maybe their rhinos, are wringing their hands about his candidacy. Hey, remember, they did the same thing in 2015 and 2016. So there's that. One more. Well, we absolutely need to stop Biden's out-of-control spending. The pain should be borne by Washington bureaucrats not by hardworking American families and American seniors. The seniors are being absolutely destroyed in the last two years. Cut the hundreds of billions of taxpayer dollars going to corrupt foreign countries. Cut the mass releases of illegal aliens that are depleting our social safety net and destroying our country. Cut the left-wing gender programs from our military. Cut the billions being spent on climate extremism. Cut waste, fraud, and abuse everywhere that we can find it. Unlike almost everyone else who goes into politics, he went into politics to get things done, to do something, not to be something. Remember, the fame, the power, the money. He already had all that stuff. He wanted to do something, and they sabotaged, tried to, his administration, because of that. Actually, we have one more. But do not cut the benefits our seniors worked for and paid for their entire lives. Save Social Security. Don't destroy it. The Democrats are looking to destroy Social Security. We're not going to let them do it. Thank you very much. I think that's powerful stuff. I really do. I do hope he comes back to Twitter, all right? It's, uh, it's important. We like Truth Social. That can do well. Do you think Nikki Haley can really stop him? I don't think so. I don't think any of the people said to be thinking about it can stop him. And I certainly don't want them to. All right. We'll be right back with the guy who I think is still running the country. The very snooty Barack Obama, one of the most conceited, condescending speeches ever. It's relevant all over again, though. Stay with us. the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free and watch Newsmax TV anytime, 
anywhere. European American Armory Corp, or EAA Corp, is specialized in providing high-quality, innovative, and reasonably priced firearms to the U.S. since 1990. You can choose from a wide selection of unique and traditional pistols, whether you're looking for a concealed carry, revolver, shotgun, or competition pistol, EAA Corp has it. EAA's 1911 series comes in compact, carry, or full-size in three popular calibers. If you're a first-time gun owner, EAA Corp's all-in-one 9mm MC9 Striker fire pistols come fully equipped in a sleek, light, ergonomic package ideal for everyday carry. In addition, their lineup includes the MC312 series of 12-gauge shotguns for hunting, sporting, tactical, or personal defense that will exceed your expectations. There is a limited lifetime warranty on every series available today at EAA Corp. EAA Corp says get the quality firearm you've always wanted and save yourself a lot of hard-earned money. Visit EAACorp.com. That's EAACorp.com to learn more and order online or through your local dealer. Well, I have some breaking news about my book, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. It was just endorsed a very positive book review from President Trump. Yes, on Truth Social just a little while ago. The very talented Greg Kelly, whose show on Newsmax is a big success, has just written a book, Justice for All, which is absolutely fantastic. It is available in all bookstores. Greg gets it like few others. Go buy his wonderful words of wisdom now. Oh, man, that is amazing. I am so grateful to President Trump. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly with his review. And about that book, about the words of wisdom, uh, no one's really talking about the things I'm talking about. And uh, I'm proud of it. Some of these things needed to be said. Now, in 2016, do you remember five police officers in Dallas were assassinated during a protest in celebration of the life of Alton uh, Sterling. Now, Alton Sterling was a criminal uh, who was shot and killed by police. It was deemed to have been a justified shooting, but there were protests across the country, and these police officers were murdered because of, well, Micah Johnson was the gunman, the crazy assassination, the black identity extremist who opened fire on the police officers. Barack Obama showed up at the memorial and gave a very pompous, long speech, and he lectured everybody the way he does, okay? The police, they've got to acknowledge their racism. The police, they've got to acknowledge their bigotry. The police, the police, they, they bear some responsibility here. Now, they don't. It was totally absurd what he was saying. And even worse, at a memorial for the cops, he starts eulogizing Alton Sterling, the criminal, if he hadn't, if he hadn't waved a gun around at people, none of this would have happened. He spoke about him. Surely we should be able to hear the pain of Alton Sterling's family. We should. When, when we hear a friend describe him by saying that whatever he cooked, he cooked enough for everybody. That that should sound familiar to us, that maybe he wasn't so different than us, so that we can, yes, insist that his life matters. All right. As I write in the book, 
Sterling was a violent criminal and a sex offender who was waving a gun around and threatening people who didn't want to buy the CDs he was selling. He resisted arrest and was tased several times. The police shot him when he was reaching for his gun. He was armed. I'm sorry, but if some dude is waving a gun around and threatening people, then he's pretty much put himself on the My Life Matters Less list. Let's get real about this. If Micah Xavier Johnson had not been killed after murdering five Dallas police officers, he probably would have applauded Obama's insistence that Sterling's life matters. It's amazing that Obama retains so much respect and admiration even among people who ought to know better. When historians look back at this period, they will surely identify Obama as the man who did more than anyone to exploit racial division and cynically use it to promote his personal brand. Now, there is a place and a time to talk about Alton Sterling, not at the memorial for the police officers who were just murdered by potentially a soulmate. It's all in my book, Justice for All. Uh, I'd be privileged if you'd consider buying it. Look, um, you know, conservative voices, we're, uh, we're not promoted by the mainstream media very much, okay? They want to uh, not help us when it comes to these matters. So that makes me especially grateful to the publisher, Simon & Schuster, Threshold Editions, and also the former president of the United States and maybe the future president of the United States. Once again, uh, the endorsement on Truth Social. A total and complete honor. Thank you very much, Mr. President, and thank you. We'll be right back. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. All right, time for our panel. We have Mark Simone from iHeartRadio and Craig Shirley, the great historian and author and Newsmax contributor. Welcome both to you guys. Two years, two years for Joe Biden. It was two years ago today. Uh, it's gone very, very fast uh, and not very well. Mark Simone, please, your thoughts on this two-year mark. Well, you know, when Donald Trump left, we were all upset on the air. We thought we'd be missing all the action and fun of Trump. What would we talk about then? This guy turns out to be amazing. Scandal a week. He's, uh, uh, I mean, he's great. He can't talk. He can't walk. He's bumping into walls. He's, he's under investigation. His son is under investigation. He has been great. <laughs> okay, great for business in the talk radio business. Craig Shirley, what do you think? Two years in, did you think it would be this bad? Might be great. Might, yeah, and that might be great for business, but not so great for the country or the world. Look, if you sat down with a legal tablet and you gave a grade to Joe, Joe Biden on Afghanistan, inflation, uh, documents, uh, secured, uh, national security documents, uh, you go down the list, item after item after item, you have to give them an F right down the, right down the board. This is not, I would consider this, I wrote a piece for Newsmax a year ago saying that Joe Biden was already, I, I thought as an historian that he was one of our five worst presidents alongside Pierce, Buchanan, Hoover, uh, the, uh, another one, uh, and, and Biden. Uh, I'm going to have to update that now, is that we have two years to evaluate Biden, and I think he's clearly the worst president in American history. Oh, well, you guys oh, well. are wildly, wildly at odds with the people at uh, Morning Joe. Listen to <laughs> this. They, whew, they're swooning still. 
It's been a remarkable two years. The truth is that so many in, in Obama world underestimated Joe Biden. So many in Clinton world underestimated Joe Biden. They kept underestimating him. And this is not a paid political uh, advertisement for Joe Biden. This is just reality. This guy, constantly underestimated by his political friends and enemies alike, has been the most successful president in pushing through legislation than any president since, I guess, Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Lay it in on. Very, very thick. Even for the fake news, that was nonsense. Mark. Uh, I'm glad he wasn't hooked up to a lie detector. He would have knocked out power up and down the East Coast. I mean, uh, listen, we underestimated him. We just thought he'd be bland. We didn't know he'd completely screw up the economy, inflation, oil prices. We didn't know he'd completely screw up the border and uh, have the biggest crime wave in history, completely screw up our energy, our airports, our supply chain. Who knew you could do this much damage in two years? And, uh, Craig, the uh, the document, I don't think you and I have talked about the documents yet, the classified documents. Uh, it's not going away, although that was today. That's not archival footage. These guys are excited about him today. I think he's in real serious trouble. What do you think? Well, he's at 36 percent approval uh, and, 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 and falling, I think. Uh, it, without the support of the American people, he cannot effectively govern. I think this document scandal is just they're just scratching the surface. This involves national security. So this has the potential to blow up even more than Watergate, which was just a silly little crime uh, breaking of a uh, headquarters, Democratic headquarters. This involves the national security of the United States and, and documents all over the place. It, it is House. It is uh, UPenn, every, every, in his garage, every place. So uh, the story won't go away. And when you've got the White House press corps turning against you, that is significant. All right. So uh, Kamala and Joe put out a two year anniversary video, like look at how great we are and the great job we're doing. Literally, that's what the, that's what they said. Take a look. All right. OK. Hey, team. Hi, guys. How are you? What do you think? I think we're off to a pretty good start. More women are employed in decent jobs. And how about the fact that there is now a name that the world knows and the name is Justice Katanji Brown Jackson? And more right. appellate court female judges who right. are black than all other presidents in American history. Yeah. I feel good about where we are. All right. You know what? Americans have grown up. We know what a commercial looks like. We know what's fake. We know what's real. We've seen reality TV. Mark Simone, that was totally fake. And I think they hate each other, by the way. Let's predict how long before the outtakes from that show up. They must have had to do that 4,700 times to get him uh, to get through that. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't wish on you what she wishes on him right now. <laughs> uh, if we have time, actually, this was one of the most uh, memorable moments in uh, debate history when she just I don't think I don't think this is forgivable, quite frankly, if it happens to you. I mean, maybe in a spiritual sense, but take a look. 2019, the debate. So that's decision. where the federal government must step the, in. The that's why we have the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act. That's why we need to pass the Equality Act. That's why we need to pass the ERA, because that's there right. are moments in history where states fail to preserve the civil rights of I all people. I have supported the okay, ERA from the very beginning. Vice President Biden, 30 seconds. Oh, 
man yelling at him. Here's a confirmation to me that Joe Biden's not in charge. It wasn't his pick. It wasn't up to him. It was Barack Obama, Jim Clyburn, a lot of other forces that came together. He's not running the show to this day, uh, I don't think, Craig. No, I, I agree with you. He, he, he's only in control uh, in a very cursory sense from, from you know, 10 a.m. to uh, 3 p.m. until he takes his nap and drinks his Metamucil. But, other t but the rest of the time, uh, other powers are, are controlling the government and controlling the country, unfortunately. And they're all left wing. They're all liberals. This is, this is that, by the way, that video uh, gives no meaning to the phrase hostage video. <laughs> yeah, they um, no. there's something very, very odd about the whole arrangement It is so unnatural. You know, Mark, it's everything about this arrangement, the administration, the communication, all of it, the substance, totally off the wall. Very unnatural. Yeah, you know, there have been uh, presidents, vice presidents that didn't get along, didn't like each other. Johnson, Kennedy, you could name a lot of them, but uh, they were very shrewd operators. Here you have two bumbling idiots. So uh, this is the weirdest arrangement we've ever seen in the White House. All right. Well, to be continued, gentlemen, See thank you very much. Mark Simone, check him out on iHeartRadio. And uh, Craig, what's the latest book we can uh, should get? You're always churning them out. Which one? Well, I've, I've, I was just going to say one thing. I've written uh, six books on Ronald Reagan. I worked for Ronald Reagan. My wife worked for Ronald Reagan. And for Joe Scarborough to compare <laughs> Joe Biden to Ronald Reagan is it just proves that he did something that Bill Clinton didn't do. He did inhale. Uh, it's just it's total insanity to compare one of our four greatest presidents to this pipsqueak. Uh, I'm currently I've got a sixth Reagan book, a seventh Reagan book coming out, and uh, I'm, I'm working on several others. Well, what's the one that I read that I love so much? Rendezvous with Destiny or Destiny with Rendezvous with Destiny, maybe. Yeah, that was about the 1980 campaign. Fantastic, fantastic. And so rich and so thick. A lot of words, a lot of pages. Good stuff. Craig Shirley Thanks. and Mark Simone. Thank you, guys. I'll be right back. Take a look. A very important book. Final battle, the next election could be the last by David Horowitz. He's an amazing guy. He's the um, founder and CEO of the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Way back when, he was a bit of a liberal, but uh, not anymore. No greater truth teller that we know around here at Newsmax. David Horowitz, congratulations on the new book. How are you? Thank you. I, I'm well. I love your show. I love your chutzpah. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you very much. And congratulations on the new book. Um, uh, it's published by Humanix. I have my hands on it. I have not yet cracked it open. I've read every single previous book. The, the, the title is disturbing. The next election could be the last. Please uh, lay it out for us. Okay. Uh, well, when I, one thing I like about what you do is that you, you don't deal with these political figures through with their masks on, you strip them off. Uh, and it takes a lot of nerve to do that. Um, look, uh, Joe, Joe Biden is a, is a criminal, probably much bigger than we know so far. But uh, what was the first thing he did two years ago on Inauguration Day? He destroyed, he issued executive orders that undid everything that Trump did to secure the border. He basically 
Well, not basically. He he just he destroyed our borders. We have an open border, uh, you know, and and the only defense they have is to deny that. But this is the greatest crime that was ever committed against our country. The number the number of criminals who are going to come through are in the hundreds of thousands and probably the millions when you have five million people crossing the border illegally. Yeah. Um, David, can I jump back to the title of the book? Sure. The next election could be the last. Well, and quite frankly, at- that rings true and it resonates. But what what do you mean by that? Well, I think the Democrats have been marching towards a one-party state for about 30 years, maybe longer. But they've recently really succeeded. You only have to look at Arizona. The Democrats destroyed Election Day, so you can vote in September or October. Uh, And they have the massive ground force because they've got uh, the whole youth left uh, in their party. And uh, so they can mobilize their voters to vote during uh, September, October. Uh, Republicans do the right thing. They they believe in Election Day. So they're going to all vote on Election Day. Right. It is so it is so demoralizing and concerning. And uh, your book is important, I hope. And we're almost out of time, sir. But I yeah. hope you got a chapter in there about what we're what we can do about all this. Yeah, let me, let me say where my optimism comes from. I, and it's much worse. I, we don't have any time, but it's much worse. Um, Trump has created the first mass conservative movement in American history. A lot of what's happened, a lot of why the Democrat Party is now indistinguishable from a communist party, all voting in lockstep, uh, and disrespecting the, ignoring the Constitution, violating it. Uh, that's what that's what Biden did on on his inauguration day with the border. He's the executive. He's there to enforce the law. Not the legislature. The Congress is, is the only one that can open our borders. And the optimism, the optimism, sir. I only have a few seconds left. Give me okay. a nugget for optimism. When I. When I first came into the right 40 years ago or so, uh, I looked around and the first thing I said is, where's the ground army? All my former comrades on the left were busy uh, organizing to harass CEOs of corporations and political figures to keep them on their wavelength. But there was nothing, aside from Operation Rescue, there was really nothing on the right. Ah, all right. So now we're big and vibrant and it's uh, and it's alive and well. And, and the other thing is the left never knows when to stop. So we now have a grassroots movement among parents. I like it. David Horowitz, it's so important. <laughs> Your previous books, if it's anything like that, they're amazing to read and oh, so insightful. Let's put it up on the screen, please. Final battle. The next election could be the last. David Horowitz, founder and CEO of the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Thank you, sir, very, very much. And we'll be right back. (laughs) 
All right, again, two years ago today, <laughs> the Joe Biden administration started. Well, I actually always like Inauguration Day. That was a depressing day, but there's something about Inauguration Day. I always remember where I was going back to sixth grade when Ronald Reagan was inaugurated. They brought us down to the auditorium uh, at Stewart School in Garden City. It was such a treat. I felt like I was part of it. Eight years later, I know exactly where I was. I was in a college library. And I, there was a TV in there, and I watched this. Uh, four years later, Bill Clinton, I was in flight school, Pensacola, Florida, uh, saw this in the ready room. Let's see, George W. Bush. Uh, I was in Miami for some reason in a hotel. I can't remember why, but that's where I was. Obama, I actually was there. I was about a half mile away, but I could see all this stuff. I was covering it for Fox 5, a local affiliate at the time. And then uh, eight years after that, Donald Trump, his inauguration. I was in an office just a few blocks away from here. And in the intervening years, my life changed in big ways, you know, just as a function of growing up or whatever. Life, a lot happens. I decided to write about it, actually, um, for the local newspaper, for the Daily News, about the changes that happen in our lives between presidencies. If you don't mind, I think it's still relevant. I'd like to read it for you. It was a big treat. It was an op-ed in the New York Daily News. And uh, this is what I wrote on January 20th, 2017. Who's the next president? Anyone. Two wild things happen at noon on Friday. One is obvious and historic. Donald Trump becomes president. The other is completely unknowable and therefore almost completely unmentioned. There will be a new next president of the United States, and whoever and wherever he or she is, there's a good chance we've never heard of the person. Now, let me take a moment here. <laughs> Obviously, we know how this part of the story ends, but this still applies for inauguration days in the future and even the moment we're in right now. It's probably unreasonable to dwell on who our 46th president of the United States will be. We haven't even heard the inaugural speech. We don't know what's going to happen in the world. Who wants to think about 2020 or the next election? But I can't help it. Wondering about who comes next while all the attention is on the new president, president is a habit I've had since a high school trip to the Kennedy Library in Boston. I saw a photograph of John F. Kennedy in his backyard with his wife, Jackie. He was 35 or 36 years old in a T-shirt, messing around with a paint set and fussing around with a newspaper. Very domestic, very ordinary. Yet they would be the next occupants of the White House. The photo is deceiving. Kennedy was a no suburban uh, everyman, and his ascendancy to the presidency wasn't exactly a stretch. He was a war hero. He was rich. He went to Harvard and steadily gathering legislative accomplishments uh, for his resume. Actually, not much in the way of accomplishments, but at least years. Kennedy, while younger and more glamorous than his peers, followed a similar path of most of our 20th century presidents, hold serious jobs at top levels in government for many years before consideration for the biggest job in the world. But the resumes have gotten a lot thinner lately. Uh, George W. Bush became the next president of the United States when Bill Clinton was sworn in in 1993. But W. wasn't even governor of Texas yet. He was uh, the front man for the fourth place Texas Rangers. Um, his mother didn't even think he should run for governor. Uh, he came out of nowhere to become the most important man in the world. Now, going back to uh, Donald Trump, in many ways, he is a traditional president. Why is that? Donald Trump now. 
because for decades prior to his becoming president, uh, they were talking about him being president. He was famous, uh, nationally known at the age of 32. Even before he was old enough to be president, they were asking him on national TV shows, do you want to be president someday? That is much more in keeping with uh, 20th century presidents than people like Barack Obama or George W. Bush. With Biden, officially, it's back to the old drawing board, but uh, who knows who's next and who knows what's next for us? Personally, I hope it's Trump, but we'll see. Many, many thanks. I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you for your support very, very much. We're doing special things here. We're proud of it. Thank you. All the best.